Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Tuesday, I had to think of it, a Tuesday edition of Sin's Chat Corner. Um, I want to say very gracious thanks to Leah Chrome PR and, of course, to Ricky Rebel, who we have on our show today, for being so graciously kind and patient as far as getting on my show, because I know it's taken a couple different cancellations, etc. So, without further ado, um, let me put Ricky Rebel on the line. And we'll start talking to him in reference to what he's got going on, which I'm so excited. I have tons and tons of questions. Hello, Hello. Ricky Revel. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? <laughs> You're here. <laughs> You're I actually am here. here. I'm so excited. Yay! This is absolutely wonderful. Me too. I'm trying me to too. pull off. Oh, finally, thank God, and thank you so much for your patience, because I know both of my children, two different children, have actually prevented this interview, and one of them is actually homesick with me, so I'm pulling off you and him at the same time. So this. Is oh, all- my gosh. I'm sorry to hear that. <sighs> oh, no, it's not it's your fault, darling, actually. We've, we, you know, this happens, and, and, you know, he's little, and he's 10 years old, and so we have all these things that go on and come and go with life and stuff, and it's always hard to... um to try to do both, but I'm in radio and I'm internet radio. So I'm sure, you know, I'm in one room and he's in another room and he's got his juice and he's got his movie and his temperature taken and he's going to be great for an great. hour. So I'm, I am excited. Awesome. I'm very, very excited. Second of all, I have to I'm terribly nervous. Thank you. But I'm terribly nervous. You're very intimidating. Why? I have to say. Oh, oh my God. Have you read, <laughs> have you read your life? Seriously? Have Girl, you read your life? Uh, uh, yeah, I've read that bio several times. <laughs> it's crazy, you know, the life I've lived so it far. Has been really, it's been a you journey, to say you the bet. least. And that's, we want to, or at least I want to, let's say, I'm going to kind of take you back to, to the very beginning. Um, So kind of the first question I wanted to ask, Um, obviously most people know you now as Ricky the Rocker, as I would refer to you. And at one time you were just a lovely lad, I'm assuming, um, kind of attempting to ascertain your eventual goals as being a grown-up one day. Now, I'm going to gather that your family kind of fostered a long part of your fame, and, and I'm starting off with your mother and your grandmother because I can see that you have quite the admiration for them. So my first question is, how have these ladies kind of helped to shape and support your path to the popularity of Dow Garnish? Well, um, I think my mom's probably listening to this interview right now, and she's one of the oh, – she's my best friend. Yeah, my mom is my best friend. We've been very close yeah. since I was a child. And, uh, yeah, and my grandmother as well, she is, we've always been very close. Usually the, a lot of women in my life, the women in my life have been very supportive of me uh, since I was a child. So I've got a lot of support from girls and women, and it's the same, same mm-hmm. way uh, it is today. You know, even today, my, a lot of my fans are, are girls and women, and I am very grateful for that. I think they, I think women, you know, appreciate a sensitive artist or sensitive man like me who's still, who's strong, but in a different way, in an artistic, sensitive way. And I think a lot of women appreciate a true, gentle man. So that's why I think I've gotten a lot of support from women. And a lot of that has become, is because of the love that I, I experienced with my mother and my grandmother, especially. But yeah. Aww, They're very special so to me. Wonderful. Both of them are very special to me. Yeah. It's, you know, I... I never really talk about this growing uh, in interviews, but um, I, I almost lost my mother when I was five years old. We were in a really tragic um, accident, a car crash. And at the time, oh you know, I was five years old. And at the time, you know, I thought that, 
what happened was the car, we were in a big van and the, the one of the tires separated from the car and it just kind of fell over on my mom. Like my mom had her arm out. You know, you had your arm out just chilling, you know, when you're riding, arm outside the window. The, the, the truck like landed on my mom's arm and it was, it was insane. It was the first memory I ever had, you know, being tousled around in this van and then waking up to see my mother like laid out on a bed with, you know, just, it's just a horrific scene for me as a child and her reaching out to me, you know, saying, I love you. And it was just, it was just one of the most traumatic moments in my life. And I think that kind of really shaped a lot of who I am today, because at a very young age, I realized that life is at any moment can be taken away from us. And at any moment it could be, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's that we we're kind of like fragile. Yep creatures in the sense like it, it just we don't have control over that situation so um consequently i think when that happened she survived it but at the time it was so traumatic i actually was telling kids and and adults that um my daddy killed my mommy i didn't understand i thought that my my dad because he was driving I, you know he did that and i thought that because my mom was gone for so long in the hospital i thought that she had died so it's kind of like a really it was a traumatic experience for me so when she did come back you know, I I didn't want to go outside to play with the kids outside. I didn't. I wanted to stay in, and I wanted to be close to my mother. You know, so I I do not call. I'm really not a mother's. I'm not a mama's boy. I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, sure. he's a mama's boy. Watch out. You know, she knows. Like, I, if she has something to say or something that she has an opinion about or something, I will listen to everything that she has to say. But I ultimately, you know, go with my gut instinct on what I want to do, and you know what I mean. And I have a, a no, an I immense exactly. amount of love. Yeah, and I have an immense amount of love for my parents in general, my father as well. An immense amount of respect and love for him as well. It's his birthday today, so I mean, I, both of my parents, I just really, you know, yeah, tend to, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know what I mean? I do. So I don't feel that way about yes, my dad anymore. I, do. I don't think he killed my mommy. <laughs> Well, that's a good, healthy attitude to have now. No, I know. And the worst part about Blog Talk Radio is is that it's Internet. So that felt like a hug moment. So I'm hugging you across the airways because that's that's very personal. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm very blessed that people come on my show and tell me these really touching, moving things. Um, There is something that I thought about when I was thinking of your mom, and I, I try to ask this of all the musicians that come on here. Because as we all know, um, music is an art, um, and sometimes parents worry about their children, of course. And so I wonder, did your family ever come to you at some point and say to you, you know, honey, do you want to think about being a doctor, a lawyer, some predictable income sort of position? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. um, You know, growing up, I was really into gymnastics. I started off as a gymnast, and then I turned into Mm -hmm. a dancer. And then I started to get into singing and acting and theater. And it's always been a real drive of my own. It's really been self, you know, from, from within that I had this drive to do this. My parents were not at all um, stage mommy and daddy. They were not like that. I didn't grow up with a, mm-hmm. um, you know, Michael Jackson dad or Jessica Simpson father or, or Beyonce mother. You know, I think sure. sometimes I used to you get upset. I'd be like, oh, I just wish I had a, you know, a really – you know, really strong, you know, type of like uh, Joe Simpson type dad, but you really don't want that because, of mm. course, it's, it's that's a horrible way to grow up. But I, but, but right. in reality, like, they didn't push me to do this. It's just something really that I really wanted to do. 
they are very proud of it. They love it and they celebrate what I create and what I do. But it's not like I did this because my parents put me into dance classes and put me into class, things like that. No, it was always like my gotcha. drive to do so. And um, the only time my my parents have ever said anything about like, well, maybe you should try something else was when I was going through a really hard time, like through the transition period of, you know, getting off, off of the group, no authority and transitioning into the solo artist. There were times where I had very dark periods, you know, where I would just get upset. And, and at that point they, you know, sure. they wouldn't say, Oh, I think you should be a doctor. They would just say, well, is, you know, is this what you want to do then? If it's causing you so much, you know, pain and whatever, is this really what you want to do and is this going to make you happy? And and every time I'd be like, yes, don't ask me that question. <laughs> it's like, of course. You know, she's like, then, then my mom's like, okay, then you got to deal with it. you got to keep going and keep, you know, doing your thing then and know that there are always going to be ups and downs, but you got to just keep going. And and so that's the only time I've ever gotten that. But they've never really been like, oh, you got to be a doctor or Life is it really feel like life is too short, and you really have to right. follow your dreams while you can. Mm-hmm. Good for you, exactly, one hundred percent right. You are dead on. Um, I wanted to move along um, to something a little bit different. I know that you have okay. expressed that you have this uh, um, abyssal type admiration to the dynamic David Bowie. So I, I want to ask you this question. I came up with a couple different components of his character, and I'm wondering which of these impresses you the most or if it's something completely different. Because some, of course, are allured to his voluminous and vogue attire. Some people enjoy his alluring accent because he has this fabulous sound to him, not only when he sings but when he talks. Or his realization of returning to his own self-reality. I mean, he's very real about himself, about his attitude, about his career, his family, the whole nine yards. So is it a combination of all those, or what is it about him that makes him so dynamic to you or even makes you compared to him on some levels? Well, I personally am drawn in by his intelligence beyond everything else. Oh. Um, I think he's a very intelligent man. I've read his bios, and and his music is really intelligent. The words and and the story of what it is that he's – the message – it's a very intelligent message that he's, you know, that he's uh, portraying these to these characters. And I personally love also his fashion sense, his bold fashion statement. I love the um, the androgyny of his of his character being, you know, being masculine and feminine all at once. Mm-hmm. I'm really drawn into that. Yep. Uh, the sensitivity, the vulnerability, and also the power and the charisma. Uh, you know, yeah, I really love his charisma, and I think that that's what draws me to him the most. I think he's a very charismatic person, and um, he's also a really good, in my opinion, he's a good actor. I mean, it takes a lot. What he's doing is is, is acting, especially in the Ziggy Stardust. I was just watching um, Moon Age Daydream, uh, with my boyfriend ah. this morning, we play every morning. We try to play a little guitar together. We play acoustic guitar, and we were playing the Ziggy Stardust Menage Ding Ding. And I, I love who he is on stage. I mean, the the whole character, the the outfit, the the glam makeup, the hair. It's just it's fabulous. It's glamorous, and he's just charismatic. He has the crowd in the palm of his hand, and and there are moments right. when I perform that I feel like I'm. I'm, I am doing the fabulous rebel glam version. You know what I mean? 
Oh, I, I that's love it. That's we, awesome. Yeah. So I just wow. Yeah, a, and also I love singing to his his voice too because his voice is is pretty much in my range as well. You know, we have a similar range. Gotcha. Uh huh. Oh sure. Definitely. I gotcha. Like, I don't, you, you know, know I wanted to mention. Why, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's why I didn't. You know, I haven't really. I'm not. I, I of course admire and love um, Queen, and uh, mm-hmm. you know Freddie Mercury, his range. But I never really got locked into him as like you know as one of my big big inspirations because vocally his range is so high. He's a he's a tenor. I'm a baritone. Mm-hmm. David Bowie's a baritone. Ah. So that's kind of like why I'm more drawn to him as well. His voice. Gotcha. You know, I was just thinking about this this morning, too. I just saw him, um, I watched a movie called, I'm sure you've heard of The Prestige, with uh, Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale, and, of course, David Bowie plays, um, God, why is it escaping me now? The guy, the guy, Tesla, the one with, with the actual electricity and all that good stuff. He made this, this contraption where you travel in there and, and it duplicates you and all this good stuff. And yeah. I remember seeing David Bowie in there and thinking that, he was amazing. It's like it's no David Bowie. It's like totally not him. You know what I mean? It's like him transforming himself to someone different. And it made me think of you, right. as a matter of fact, this morning. I'm like, I can totally see this. I can see this transformation. And I'm like, I can see the the, the parallel to some degree between the two mm. of you. So I thought, thank you. I'll have to watch that. I am you. Very no, you're honored. quite welcome. And and he's a legend. He he is a total legend. And I mean, and he's been around for a very long time. And he's very big on keeping it real. I love the people that come on my show that uh-huh. are very real because I I interview, you know, I interview reality TV people. I interview all sorts of different celebrities. And I'm sure you know this yourself out in the real world when you get out to the Hollywood realm and the entertainment world. Not everybody um, is allowed to or feel that they are allowed to be real or be true to themselves. It's very unfortunate. Uh-huh. Um, so I was yeah, excited because, you know, Ricky Rebel, you know, it's a it's a whole different – well, we'll get into that, obviously, because we're going to talk about where you end up as far as that goes. Um, I wanted to talk to your audience a little bit about um, prior, of course, to you picking up the microphone and doing the songs. Um, I want to go backtrack a little bit and, and explain to people that you've, you've kind of spread yourself across a different manifold of mediums, meaning you've been in ballet, you've done the small screen, you've done studio work. Um, I want to name a few things here. You did Debbie Allen's uh, ballet, which is Pepito's story. You've appeared in Boston Public and American Dreams, um, also Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, and um, also lend vocals on soundtracks for Apollo 13 and Anastasia. So a couple different questions here. Um, did dancing on stage kind of develop the current choreography that you display, whether it's in your videos or in during some of your sensational shows? Is that where that came from, or is that just kind of a, um, a short stint, so to speak? It absolutely came from that background. You know, all the stuff I did uh, growing up, working with uh, Marguerite Derricks, Vince Patterson, and Brian Friedman, and Wade Robson, Chucky Claypow, that whole camp. We grew up in this environment. Every day we danced. We went in there and we trained for hours and hours on end. And we danced mostly to Prince. We had like three people we danced to pretty much, Prince, Michael Jackson and Madonna. That was it. Oh. So consequently, okay. those became my big heroes. You know, and that's who we danced to. We put on shows, and I mean, there were other there were other artists that we danced to as well. But I mean, all of that immense training that I got in L.A. at Tremaine. So at the time it's Tremaine's Dance Center, and I was in a teen company called Marguerite's Teen Company. Marguerite Derricks has grown 
to become a world-renowned uh, choreographer, and she was a very difficult person to work with. <laughs> she was a, you know, <laughs> crack, she cracked that whip on us, and it definitely taught me a lot of discipline. And uh, when I actually met Madonna for the first time, I met Madonna in the studio while mm-hmm. while we were working on the first record with No Authority. Uh, Ronnie Jerkins, our producer, called me up. He said, hey, you got to come down to the studio right now. Larrabee Studios, I'll never forget. There's somebody that you need to meet. And I was like, who? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you, but let's just say you need to be here right now. So I got in the car. I got over there. Larrabee Studios, sure enough, Madonna's in the other room screaming at this producer. <gasps> you know, my mom is like, don't, my mom's okay. like, don't go out there right now. You don't want to meet her like this. She's screaming. She was terrified that Madonna was going to yell at me and I'm going to, like, you know, get upset. I'm like, you know, if she yells at me, I'm going to love it. I'm going to, you know what I mean? And so at one point when Madonna was in in the room, Madonna was in the other room taking a phone call, I looked into the the office and I saw her on the phone and Uh I stared and I stopped because she looked just like my choreographer, Marguerite Derricks. Marguerite is from New York, has a similar attitude, vibe to Madonna. It looks just like Madonna giving me the same look of disgust. Why are you looking at me? What? Get out. And she walked out. She walked in, and she slammed the door as I was walking away. And I was like, yes, I just got my, just got the door slammed by Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> so it Most was like an honor. Most people would want that, by the way. <laughs> I know. I, you know what I did? I, I, I want to see her like that. I want to see her get angry and yell at producers and things like that because it's like that's the Madonna that I gotcha. I've read about. That's who I've read about. That's who I've sure. studied. I've studied. Madonna's not sure. a nice person. She's very direct and very – and there's a part of that that I admire, and there's also part of that that I just mm-hmm. go like, oh, I, I do not agree with. You know what I mean? I don't agree with treating people sure. poorly, but I do agree with – you know, especially in the artistic realm, you talked about in the, the world of the Hollywood world where people are trying to tell you, you can't say right. this, you can't say that. I bet the person that says, I will say this, and if you don't like it, you do not have to work for me or with me. Does that make sense? So Madonna has no, that. No, it makes total sense. Thing. Yeah, and then when I actually I gotcha. met her again, you know, we actually met her. She was playing on the truck with her, with her little girl, and she was so embarrassed because she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry I'm playing on the truck. It's a different Madonna. It was a more sensitive, you know, guarded person sure. that I met of course. the second time around. That. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Parents will do that. So I mean, parenting, I should say, will do that. Yeah, it softened her a little bit. Well, let mm-hmm. me ask you something. Now, yeah. you obviously, like I mentioned, we were talking about the soundtrack of Apollo 13, Anastasia, let's say. Now, do you personally, and this is a personal question in terms of, because um, obviously you perform in front of large crowds, you've performed on videos, you've performed, you know, in a studio. How does that differ? What is the process like when you're actually coming soundtrack music um, as compared to actually doing it live? Do you have a preference to either, or do you find one more complex or more difficult than the other? I think that... Are you referring to, like, when I went to the studio to record Apollo 13 and Anastasia, yeah. right, with yeah. the whole orchestra? That's, yeah. That was insane. You that bet. was incredible. I used to work with this this company, and they would hire me to come in and sing on these soundtracks. And basically, they give you, a, you know, sheet music. You go onto Paramount Studio lot, and you drive up, and they give you sheet music, and you have to read it. And I've never read sheet music before i don't read you know music but at the same time i know how to now because of the training i know how to see okay the note's going to move up a half step full step down 
you know, all the way down to here, up to here, I could see the notes moving. So that's how I learned how to kind of read sheet music in order to be able to sing these songs. I, 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 list, I you know, in the studio, I mostly, I can play things back and then sing them back that way. That's the way I, you know, learn things. You know, I have to hear it right. and do it over again. But anyway, it's a, yeah, it was an amazing experience. The whole orchestra is there and they put on the big screen. So you're watching the movie as you're singing. It's a very emotional experience. But wow. I remember Apollo 13, Apollo 13 in particular, the very emotional experience, this, this haunting, you know, music that's being played during the movie. And um, I, I love it. I love that experience. And live is just, it's just a visceral experience. You know, you're on stage and you're connecting with the crowd. It's it's definitely more anxiety because it's just one time, one shot, one thing, you know? So you got to really be focused mm-hmm. and in the moment and committed right. and, and telling the story, connecting to the lyric, connecting to your audience, that sort of thing. Um, and I actually like those, the, that anxiety. I, I give it, you know what I mean? I call it the yum, the yum, yum in, in my tummy, you know? I've transformed that anxiety oh, love to it. like to to like excitement. There's a lot of excitement in life. And I love I live for that, you know, for that feeling. And I'm gonna be feeling it a lot sure. more. I, I can I can sense in the future coming up. Of course, but, definitely. But now the other yeah. question I wanted to ask, um, now that you've participated, obviously small screen, big screen. For some strange reason, I can envision, and, and maybe I'm crazy because your main focus might just continue on with the music, but do you foresee yourself in the near future either starring in something of more of a major motion picture or even so taking your life story and making it into a film? Yeah. Oh, my God. I would I would love to be – that's one of my – one of the main reasons I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing. I want to get into uh, to movies. I want to be an actor. I want to be starring in a – in a big film, and I also want to do the soundtrack for it. Um, that's one of my okay. big uh, to-do lists before I die. I want to star in a major motion picture, and I want to do the music for it. And um, I hopefully will play some evil person. <laughs> oh, my a ba- God. A bad boy, a bad boy, a vampire, or something dark. Really? Hopefully. You want hopefully. to be the bad yeah. guy? Really? Oh, absolutely. Why? Oh. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Oh, well, you have to know who, what I'm really turned on by, you know, in movies. I'm really into Stanley Kubrick films. So I love that oh, type of okay. role. You know, I love, okay. I love uh, my favorite movie is The Shining. I love watching characters oh, yeah. transform from something nice into something evil or, or mm-hmm. just something darker. Kind of like I like watching, I liked watching Catwoman when she was just this meek little person, you know, being pushed around by mm-hmm. her boss and then turning into the sexy, powerful woman, cat woman, you know, dominating. See, I like, and I like sure. watching the process. So hopefully one day I'll be able to be, be in a film where I can portray that type of uh, transformation from weakness to to dominance, strength, and, strength and power. Nice. And, uh, yeah, Very so nice. we'll see. You just got to put it on the universe. You betcha. The uh, universe listens, so don't piss off the universe, as I always say. Don't make her mad. Right? My mom always says, the universe mad, something's going to be bad. Go ahead. Yeah, karma's a bitch. 
Karma's a bitch. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. So be nice, yeah. people. That's all I can say. Okay, now right. we're going to switch gears again. We're going to talk about you and music now. Some of you know him as Ricky Rebel. Some of you know him formerly as Ricky G. So I want to talk a little bit about, you kind of stood in, in serenaded groups of gatherers at concerts, a few of some of what we call the crown jewels in music, um, 98 Degrees, Destiny's Child, Britney Spears. Um, question about the band No Authority, because you had toured with Britney Spears with that group, No Authority. Um, did you find in any way that they kind of pushed your professional bar of best on any level? You know how you, you walk into a group and you say to yourself, okay, this is where I want to be at and this is what I want to do. Did they push you to excel? Did that take you to another level by performing and participating in that band? Who, which which they are you, do you mean? North, I'm referring to No Authority. That was the group you were with with Britney Spears. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, and you think okay. the band pushed okay. me, pushed me in some way to become yeah, who I am? you know, right, exactly. That's what we're getting to. Yep, that was like the question. friendly competition, friendly competition ish esque. Yeah, definitely. Some in um, some ways, yes. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm naturally a competitive person. I'm a Sagittarian, so there's a part of me I'm naturally competitive. Like if if, if I see somebody playing, so they're like, I want to play that too. I want to do that too. You know, I want to get involved. So being in a group of boys and guys, it's just like, wow. <laughs> like competition, central, everything is like, you know, who's going to get this part, who's going to get that part, or who's going to be featured in this magazine versus this night, you know. And there's a part of me that absolutely loathes that part of being in a boy band and being okay. in a group. But there's also that part of me that, you know, I was definitely – in the realm of, uh, you know, one one singer in particular who was really great and I had to actually compete with in order to get part. So it forced me to become a better singer. Um, and I appreciate that. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I look back and say, okay, that was cool, you know? And it, when there's, I remember one part, one point where I was sick and I couldn't get in the studio and we were recording with Rodney and, and there was a piano, there was a, I came back to the studio the next day and all the parts have been done. All the parts have been sung, the lease, because I did all the backgrounds for it. And then I came back, the leads were done. I'm like, what the heck? Like, I wanted a shot at singing this lead. So I said, so I said to myself, <laughs> fine, you guys are going to do me dirty. That's fine. I'm going to pick up the guitar. Sure. And I'm going to play the guitar on this track. So I ended up learning the guitar in like a month, in less than a month, so I could play on the actual track itself, you know? So I think okay. I tried to I, I'm not a big advocate for being competitive person at all. I really don't like it. It's like one of those things I'm just like, I wish that wasn't a part of my DNA, but it has right. helped me like in a certain way become a better artist because I'll look at something and I try to say, you know, uh, an inspire. Now I say that person inspires me to become a better artist. You know what I mean? I, I just kind of switch it around right. in my psyche. Sure. And it's, it's more of an adult way of looking at it rather than competing with somebody that can do something that you cannot do or haven't learned yet. You say that person is inspiring me to do that, to do the same thing. So yeah, it did. I would agree. Working with I love that, that attitude. Working with that group. Yeah. I mean, working with that group really helped me to, in multiple ways. I mean, it was very difficult working with Rodney Jerkins and his camp. They were very, uh, I'm going to say they were mean, you know, Rodney was a great guy. He was very sweet oh, no. and he wanted me to, he wanted me to dance like Michael Jackson and stuff, but they treated us like adults right away. I mean, I was like, 
sure. very young, and they were just treating us like adults, and they would say mean things about my about my voice or about the way I say something, or because I wasn't having sex yet, or are you having sex? If you have if you have sex, you're gonna sing better and do this on the end. and so everything was like vulgar and just, you know it was great it was just it yeah. was a crazy experience and then you know but it taught me right away how to deal with kind of uh criticism you know they would criticize a lot you know but it just made me be like okay that's fine i'll learn that just kind of adjust and not take it personal exactly yeah. One hundred percent. You are one hundred percent right with that. Because in your business, I'm sure you know, there's a lot of not only competition, but people can be very hard on one another, very critical of each other, very nitpickety, as I always use it. For lack of the, I know it's not the right author term, but you know, there's there's just a whole lot of jealousy and there's a whole lot of competition, and it's un, and it's and I feel terrible for your for the industry, the individuals who try to become a musician in the music industry. It's just. It's really a doggy dog world, and I know it's cliche, but it's true. It's just every kind of guy for himself, every girl for himself. You've got to have a new look, a new style. Everybody's got to be better than the other one. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, right. It sucks. I mean, it's like, it's kind of unfortunate. Um, right. I will that's admit, why I though, try to say, you like, have. That's why I try to. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. That's what I'm trying to. Finish. Go ahead. Try to say. Okay, I just want to try to say it. Things like you know, I try to. The biggest thing worst thing that an artist can do is compare themselves to other people. That's the worst thing. Comparison kills possibility. So I had to learn that growing up as well, that, you know, if I'm going to create art, if I'm going to do, make my own music, I cannot compare it to, you know, other artists out there, Adam Lambert, et cetera, et cetera, because it's like what they're doing is great for them. It's like, but what I'm doing is great. If as long as it's coming from an authentic place, and I'm putting my heart and soul into it, that's the best that I can do. And some people are going to like it, some people are not going to like it. But at the end of the day, I try to avoid uh, comparing myself to people. And that's a hard thing to do because, like you said, other pe- like most people want – we live in a society that, that, that loves competition and loves sports and wants to know who's the best, who's the greatest, who's, who, who's that, you know, American Idol this, you know, things like that. Right. And I'm really against all of that stuff. That's why I haven't been on any of those shows. Um, the the might is right or art as competition because it's, it's kind of like comparing a Van Gogh to Andy Warhol or, you know, a Monet. How, how do you put them c- comparing? It, you can't compare those, right? It's like a Rembrandt yeah, versus, you know, uh that's why I'm saying, like, art in and of itself is is um, it's personal. It's a personal thing. What is good? What More is right? What is wrong? Right. What is great? It's a, I think Madonna's the greatest, but to other people, she's not and crap. So it's just very, yes. you know. I'm going to say, is it subjective or object? I think it's subjective, right? No, subjective. no. Subjective. I could be right. I get those things up. It's subjective, right? No. Yes. It's just the uh, yes, it is subjective. Person. You were right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. You better. Okay, I guess Absolutely. Definitely. Okay. Trust me, I okay. do on occasion. I know people expect me not to, but I do. Now, I want to talk yeah. a little bit about um, hard work and humility generally grants gold is what I call it. And, of course, you successfully um, went along and did a couple of different things. Um, you were obviously signed to both um, Michael Jackson and Madonna's label. 
Um, and also we're going to talk a little bit about, before we get to that, I want to ask this question. Um, because of the fact that all those different names that I've mentioned off as far as bands and people you've worked with so far, two different questions here. First of all, had that fate, meaning where you ended up, frightened you at all? And then second of all, had you ever felt consumed in crisis? By that I mean, you know, keeping up with a with a steady bunch of appearances and then you have practices and then, of course, a fear maybe that you're unable to measure up to these guys. Because basically, you know, some of these are just living legends or moguls. So if you could address both of those questions, just so was there a sense of fear or crisis, or was this just an exciting rush this whole time that you were doing all of this? It was very exciting for me, and I never once felt like I didn't belong there or they were better or worse or anything. Nice. I've always felt like it was uh, very equal in in the sense that uh, we were, at the time, going up the ladder. You know, Brittany wasn't Brittany yet. Jessica wasn't Jessica yet, mm-hmm. and and uh, all these things. So I felt like we were all just just walking up that ladder, and and we were working. You know, I was talking about the, the being in the the pop group. We were working really really hard every single day, doing photo shoots, radio, promo, uh, concert. We had tons of fans. We had tons of support from our fans, and the label being on Maverick, Madonna's label. I felt like we belonged there. You know, so I never once looked at it like. Sure. And I, and I always felt like we 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 uh, could handle a lot more. You know, I always wanted more. So, yeah, I never. I always looked. I looked up to them. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I was a huge supporter sure. of Britney Spears. I mean, in my in my tour bus, I would have pictures of her on my tour bus on my little cubicle <laughs> bed. <laughs> I was so excited, so excited to you know open for her. And to do, at the sure. time we did, at first we started doing like radio date spots with her, like radio spots. And that was just so exciting when we first got to work with her because people really didn't know who she was quite yet. She was just up on the sure. rise and it was great. Oh, awesome. So, and and I, what a great refreshing attitude. That's neat. Mm-hmm. Meaning that yeah. you had little inhibition and meaning that there wasn't all this angst and anxiety. Because I know, that's, my God, when I'm about to interview somebody five minutes before, I'm like freaking out and nervous and like, can I do this and da 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 da. But you're so self assured and so confident. And so I'm in it to win it. And you've got this great positive attitude. And, and I'm just wondering, where did that come from? I mean, especially in your field. I mean, it's got to be really tough. I mean, I, I always I get nervous before everything. I just, you know, I just do it anyway. You know, I, I, not that I don't get right. nervous. I, I got nervous opening for Britney, and I felt a lot of responsibility as the lead singer to do my warm-ups mm-hmm. and to, war- to, to practice. I mean, we need that fear in order to um, be prepared for what it is that we're going to do. If we didn't care about it, then we wouldn't feel that that way. We wouldn't feel the fear. If we just do it like, eh, whatever. But it means a lot to you, and that's why you have those those feelings inside. Like, oh my God, this means a lot. I want this to work out. I want this to go and and happen the way I want to. So therefore, you got to prepare. I did all my vocal warm-ups. I did, you know, like I said, I, I wanted to be about the craft. But unfortunately, the boys that were with me did not want to rehearse as much as I wanted to. They did. They weren't in it for the right reasons, in my opinion. They were in it for, you know, the fame. And, and things like that. They didn't want to put the time and the energy right. and the effort into the craft of, of actually singing and performing and dancing and, and the look and the styling and all of those things. They weren't really interested in that. They wanted to party. They wanted to drink. They wanted to smoke. They wanted to, 
hang out with the celebrities and things like that. But to me, right. it's like I wasn't going to be happy until I we were on the level of an NSYNC or a Backstreet Boys, I, you know, constantly. And so as a consequence to that, as a consequence, I wasn't really liked <laughs> in my group. You know what I mean? I wasn't the, the nice, hey, party boy that they wanted me to be. But I think, you know, I mean, I like that part of my personality, though. There's a part of me that I can have fun. But at the same time, I'm like, especially people who work with me now as a solo artist, they know that when they come to camp, I'm going to give 100% and, and I expect 100% from the people that I work with. Like, for instance, you mentioned uh, Lee at Chrome PR. She's my publicist, and I yep. love her to death. And I call her my Liz. She's Liz to my Madonna. You know, she, we met each other. We get each other. She gets my brand. She gets what I'm doing. And um, that's the kind of people that I work with are really – really serious people, you know, not people who just are in it for the fame or in it for, you know, other reasons, other, other things. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, there's a sense of professionalism that comes along with a job and a duty and you have to say to yourself, sure, you know, at a certain point, it's great to go out and have fun and meet exciting people who are in the camera and the limelight all the time, but it really is about the art and the music and the creation. That's just my feeling. I mean, I'm not a musician. Yes. You know, it's kind of my take and, on it, which you know what I'm saying. But I love, yeah, and it's like, and I love the blood, sweat, tear part of it. I really do. I love getting into rehearsal. Like today I have, I have dance rehearsal with my new choreographer, and we're, we're doing club, we're going to start doing more club dates. So we're getting, I'm going to start working with dancers to promote the new single, the, the Star remix package, the Hector Fonseca remix, remix package. So, I'm going to the studio tonight and working with these dancers and I'm going to, I'm going to sweat and hurt myself and whatever. And I love that process. And I love, you know, recording and not getting it right and doing it over and over and over again. I mean, the whole thing to me, I actually um, enjoy. And I don't think that um, a lot of people, a lot of people say they want to be famous and they want to be a star, but I don't think they want to do the work that it entails in order to keep it up. I mean, a flash in the pan is one thing, but if you want to be, you know, legit and really and lasting, right. a lasting thing, you got to, I really feel like you got to put the work in and enjoy the process. Correct. I agree. It's fun. I agree. Definitely. You betcha. Mm-hmm. I get frustrated every time I start to write an interview, but I'm like, hello, you're an author. This is what you love to do. And once you get into that process, it's like your tummy gets excited and you're like, oh my God, and look at the magic I'm creating. So I know exactly what you're talking about, actually. I do. It's absolutely, it's the best feeling and it all comes from that hard work. Definitely. So again, and you're very good. Men, you're you very good at, awesome. You're very good at what you do. You've I, gotten me to really talk. <laughs> that's not, yes. not you know what this is funny open up <laughs> you're you're gonna like this comment actually because somebody told me this two weeks ago i don't know if you're familiar with the show if you watch mob lives in new york uh i've seen a couple like you know okay a couple blurbs on it a couple things on it but yeah i got you well the only reason i mm-hmm. have that is because i was out two weeks ago and it was three weeks ago yeah three or four weeks ago i interviewed big hands from mob lives um, and so her best friend had set up the interview and she said to me, now listen, she said, you know, Ange is probably only going to be on the air like 45 minutes because, you know, she's just not a talker and this and that. Well, sure enough, yeah. I got her to go almost an hour. And then when I met her two weeks ago, uh-huh. um, both her uh-huh. and Jen were just like, 
you know, you got her to open up, you got her to talk, you got her to do this. They were like, I don't know what you mm-hmm. did. And I'm like, well, I think it's called being real and being able to get down to somebody and say to them, let's get to the brass tacks of you, which brings us very nicely right to our next question. Now, those that are listening in, um, we're going to turn to the side of the story where, um, for lack of a better term, I use the term, discrimination could have measured defeat in your world. Um, tell the listeners, mm. people that are listening in, some may have never even heard of you before, um, of how secrets served to save you at one point and how telling the truth became your rise to rediscovery. Well, you know, growing up in the boy band was very difficult and growing up in, in, in Hollywood in general, is, is, it was very difficult because everybody wanted me to be, uh, you know, producers and managers and the label and you name it. They, they didn't want us to be perceived as gay. It was like, no. You can, you can do certain things. You could say certain things. You could wear certain clothes. But if it's too gay, you can't wear it. If you sound too gay, you can, we have to give them training, media training. So we had to do media training where we had to talk and say a certain way and, and be a certain way. And I kind of felt like it was like our, you know, straight training, you know. And it was just, mm-hmm. it's been it's been a painful process growing up because people wanted me to to uh, be more masculine, be more aggressive, be more this, be more that. And I, it was, it's been rough, you know, because I'm not, sure. I'm not necessarily always that. I, there's a part of me, I could be an aggressive person, but I'm not always aggressive. There's a part of me that's more sensitive or a part of me that's, you know, I, I'm okay in being feminine and masculine. And a lot of, and there's an extreme amount of homophobia that exists within the music industry. Mm-hmm. It still, it still exists. And, um, I was just developing um, while on tour. I, I I was with a girl who, you know, she was my girl. We didn't become boyfriend girlfriend until we got off tour, but we were like together while we were on tour with Brittany. And during that time, you know, I started to. She started actually to be the one to be like, "Hey, I think it'd be hot if you kissed a boy." And I'd be like, "Um, that's weird. <laughs> I don't know. Why. That's odd." But uh, you're really okay. hot, so if that makes you feel hot and bothered in, in a good way, then I'll try it. And I tried it, and I <laughs> I'm gonna get so upset. And I you liked it? The, I kiss, yeah, I kissed I kissed one of the boys in my band. Okay, it was a dare. Okay, and I didn't like it. Okay. No, I didn't like it. I was like, ew, really? God. Okay. Yeah, and then and then <laughs> and then. And then afterward, it started to get a little bit more, you know, fun, okay, sure. in, the tour, in the back of the tour sure. bus. And that's when I started to be, you know, explore a little more things. And I realized, okay, this guy is much better than, you know, my bro- almost like kissing my brother. You know what I mean? That's what it felt like the first time. Right, right. So Okay. So anyway, I'm on tour. Imagine, you know, just on tour, and there's all these screaming girls. And I'm like, oh, my God, what if they find out? Or what if the label finds out that I like guys? And it was a real fear. You want to talk about fear. It was just like, oh, man, like everything I did or said, you know, I had to make sure it wasn't like too, you know, over-the-top gay or whatever. Um, And my girlfriend, you know, at the time, she sat me down. She was like, you know what, babe, are you okay? You look really sad. And a lot of people would tell me at the time, I just remember this, like, you look sad. Why, are you, why do you not smile? You never smile. 
And she's like, you, you seem sad. And I'm like, well, it's because now I'm like, I mean, I found out I like guys and I'm like nervous that people are going to find out and I'm going to get dropped from the label. She's like, you know what, babe, who cares? Who cares what people think? She's like, regardless, if you like guys, if you like girls or both, she's like, mm-hmm. you're a beautiful person regardless. Okay, period. And, you know, at, at the time, I mean, I really took that to heart and I really um, respected her. She's a very smart girl, you know, smart woman, actually. She was 10 years older than me. So right. she's just very okay. smart. And uh, from then, I just didn't really care, you know. It just, it all changed. But it was difficult. I mean, I remember being on stage one time and, you know, I was wearing, like, this really cool, like, um, almost Elvis Presley-inspired, like, jumpsuit. It was, like, kind of, like... Nice. Uh, leather, leather, like patent leathery jumpsuit thing, and and it's it's a little bit, you know, most. I mean, straight guys are never gonna, majority of them would never wear this outfit on stage, but it's on stage, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I remember getting a couple mm-hmm. hecklers, you know, in Jersey. We we're in Jersey, and we got there were some sure. hecklers on the side, these guys, but majority of the crowd, the girls are screaming, they love it. The label happened to be there some representatives, A&R people, and they had, they ended up talking to my manager and saying, hey, Ricky can't be so feminine on stage and flamboyant on stage. And it was ironic because at the time I wasn't gay. I didn't like guys or anything like that, you know, at that time. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, great. Mm -hmm. Now the label is getting involved and they're saying that, you know what I mean? They're getting upset. Yes, I do. Which really Mm -hmm. crushed me because I was like, dude, you're not listening to the thousands and thousands of screaming girls and people who are enjoying the show. You're listening to the couple hecklers on the side. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yeah. So it was just a hard time. And then, of course, there was this uh, a producer I was working with recently, well, about like five or six years ago. And I was making a rock record with him, like a rock album. We made a whole thing. And he was constantly telling me how you know, oh, you're gay, you're going to go to hell. Um, if, the, if people find out that you're gay, um, no one's going to buy your, buy your records because, you know, no one's going to, people don't like gay people, things like that. And I heard that oh on a God. daily basis. I heard that on a daily basis. It was just like not even, you know, making fun of me and um, basically telling me I'm never going to make it. And so a lot of what I'm doing now is to prove him wrong. <laughs> Good for you, right? though. Seriously. This is a part of it. Good for a you. A lot of what I'm doing, because I love seeing him around now every now and then. It's just, he's, you know, an ex-manager or ex-producer, and I love seeing him around. And he's just like nothing but like, oh, you're doing so amazing, and I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, yeah, I am. Thank you. You know, or whatever. I just gotta say, okay. You know, and I and I just you know do my thing, and and I don't give him too much. You know, because I know he's stalking me pretty much. He tells me everything. He knows what I'm doing more than I know what I'm doing. But the point is, is like I'm out to prove that you can be who you are. You know, whether it's gay, straight, bi, you could be who you are mm-hmm. and be very successful. You could be authentic and be successful. Because, mind you, sexuality is not really who you are in the first place. I mean, we're so much more than that. We are pure possibility, pure potentiality. And my, nice. my, yeah, and my possibility is being bold, expressive, and inspiring. 
So when I am my own possibility and I'm being these things, all of that stuff goes in the wayside and people don't care about, you know, those certain, you know, things, things like that, you know? And I just, and I kind of want to, I kind of want to make it so that it's cool just for mainstream artists to bring their boyfriends out on the red carpet, mainstream Grammy awards. It's just kind of mainstream, you know, which it is. Mm -hmm. It's gotten a lot better with Sam Smith winning the Grammys. I mean, it has gotten to the point where it's like where I, where I wanted it to be when I was, like, 10 years ago, where I knew it was going to be, like, I wanted that to happen mm-hmm. 10 years ago. But now we're here now, which is great, because now we're ready for someone like Ricky Rebel. We're ready for the male version of Madonna. We're ready for that guy right. who's going to push the limits and who's going to be, like, wearing those outfits and still appealing to women and men. Because ultimately, I am sexually, like, I, I can be, I'm attracted to boys and girls. You know, I'm, oh, I'm attracted okay. to women. To women, I'm a, yeah, I'm attracted to to women for different reasons than I am with guys. You know, it's very, um, uh, not so not. I don't, it's not as gray. You know what I mean? I I kind of feel like a lot of sexuality yes. is gray anyway. It's not so black and white. You know what I mean? But, but um, yes, I do. That's why it's that's why it's believable when like a lot of my videos I have I kiss women actually I've never really kissed a guy on any of my videos I kiss girls, but I'm not mm. it's not like I'm like ew. <laughs> well, ew. thank you. I kiss a girl. <laughs> There's a lot of gay guys I know who would be like ew with the thought of like making out with a girl or getting sexual with a girl, and that's just not me. Sure, I don't. You know what I mean? I. I if she's cute and she's hot, why not? Exactly. Good for you. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, now, I want to ask a, a secondary question to that, actually, because, of course, like we covered, you have been on television, of course. You've been in the studio, et cetera. You've, you've delved in different areas, including music. Do you find that, um, and the term used, which is great, which is homophobia that, that's out there, do you think that that runs rampant as well in the other genres, meaning television or casting or film? Is it as big of an issue, let's say, there as it is in music, would you say? I'm just trying to get a gauge in terms of where we stand on that, uh, how our society uh, is viewing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I, cannot stress, I cannot stress to you. There's so many in-the-closet actors, so many in-the-closet musicians, in-the-closet directors, in-the-closet, period. It is in every single, you know, um, in the arts. And it's because they're they're afraid. They're afraid of being perceived as weak because they're gay, or perceived not being able to get the roles because they they won't be believed. That's what that's a fog with my mind. They won't be believable as as you know a male and a female, or you know what I mean, a, a straight role that he can't. Right. A, a gay guy cannot play a straight role, and that's what I want to change too. You know, I want to change that perception as well. The actor, the actor's good. He can play anything. Like Ron, like uh, Robert Downey Jr. is a great, fabulous example. I hear that he's oh my god, as well. yes. He's a perfect example of an actor and an artist who doesn't let his sexuality define him. He's still being able to be all mm-hmm. these roles and everything else. And uh, right, and there, I think there are so many actors in 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 the in the game that are terrified of coming out of the closet because they won't get as many roles. But it's like, does a killer really need to kill people in order to be a killer? Right. I agree. You no. Don't. I mean, you know, you don't have to. I, I, 
you don't have to be you don't have to be the chainsaw massacre guy. You do not need to like rip people's face, you know, heads off with a chainsaw. You just have to have this right. You have to have it in you that type of, you know, the color and we'll call it colors in <laughs> your body and in your in your psyche, you know, which is the same way it is for the gay male to play a straight male. So hopefully in the future too, we'll start seeing more openly gay actors, especially men in particular. I think it's. And, and and women as well, it's still kind of a weird thing, but especially for guys, it's like people kind of have their own ideas. Uh, some people have their own ideas that, that gay men cannot play straight roles, which is ridiculous. Oh, it is ridiculous because Charlie that, Hunnam actually did that. He had started out like that. And now look where Charlie Hunnam is. Charlie Hunnam, of course, is on Sons of Anarchy. I'm like... You guys don't see that wow. he started out in a gay role and then went here. And he's fabulous. I mean, he's, he's a straight male, but he's fat. Oh, my God, is he beautiful. Um, no, but, oh, yeah, you know, there, if you are playing gay roles. Right. Exactly. It, it works both ways. And I think that if you have that versatility and if you are good enough at what you do, you can make anyone believe just about anything. It's as simple as that. I agree. Really? I agree. You know? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Okay, wonderful. Now we're going to switch gears again, and now we're going to talk, and I'm going to toot your horn for a little bit here. I'm just going to read off some of this information to those that may not know this. Um, you may not know up until this point, those of you that are first tuning in now or have never heard the name Ricky Rebel before, um, both, I call it your mind and mouth magic, have been paired up with partners like you've played with the psychedelic, psychedelic furs, if I could talk today. Um, and some <laughs> of the places you've played at, Avalon, Avalon Hollywood, San Diego County yeah. Fair, the West Hollywood Carnival, Rock the Goats Festival. Um, 2012, uh, Ricky won Artist of the Year at Raw Awards. You've been featured in magazines such as Dark Beauty, Pop Star, and uh, Get Out. Um, even made the front cover. I have to note on that. Kudos to you. I haven't made a front cover of anything yet. But I will note this much. This will make you happy, Ricky Rebel. I am mm-hmm. going to have a web series later this year. It's a dating web series, and it will be for gays and straights. Thank you very much. Yay. I did both because I'm just that kind of girl. So there you go. Uh, you know, oh. it, but it's time. You know what I mean? It, it really is time. I mean, men and women date. I think that um, there are men, uh, as there are women out there that are curious or play both sides of the fence, but don't want to be referred to as both sides of the fence sort of thing. You know what I mean? So I think it's time that we get yeah. some of those vehicles out there and all that good stuff. But, that, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. So if I were to ask you this question, um, right. does it ever occur to you or do you ever do you ever realize your role as, and, and basically I view you in some ways as a mentor, like every time you take a picture or appear on a screen or a stage, do you realize the sort of role that you're playing for other people that watch you? It, it, uh, it hits me in moments and, you know, sometimes I really feel that way. Like when I read letters from some of my fans who have mentioned that they that I've literally saved their lives because of because of my uh example and the fact that I live I live openly and uh it, mm-hmm. I've gotten letters from them saying that they they didn't want to they rethought about committing suicide because they they were so inspired by me and my music and everything so when I get when I get a letter from that from my fans, that's when it hits me like, wow, what I'm doing is actually making some sort of a difference and is impacting their life. Right. I think I think the more as time goes on, I'm gonna, I think more people are going to come out of the woodwork and start telling me stories like that. And 
I can't wait for that to happen because that's honestly, I think, the main reason why I'm doing what I'm doing um, is to inspire more more artists to come out and more people to be okay with being different and uh, it, it 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 definitely means a lot to me and uh, yeah I mean a lot of one of my biggest fans is her name is Rachel Strauss she'll tell you for point Blake every time she meets somebody Ricky saved my life that's just the way it is wow you know? and uh, she's my I love her so much. She's part of my street team, Rachel Strauss. I'm giving you, <laughs> giving her some love. She's going to love that. But, Aww. yeah, I mean, uh, it's just super, super fans like that have, have made a big impact on me. And, and it kills me to know that there are little boys out there either being thrown out of the house for being gay. Um, I think that the more, and, and also being, being bullied or being uh, even taking their own lives, it, it breaks my heart. And the more that I get out into the world and start touring and start meeting these people and getting face-to-face with them, it's going to break my heart even more, which is going to make me even, I, I feel like, be more of an advocate than I already am. Because at the moment, I'm purely working. I, I make music from my own experience, and I'm, ex- and I'm explaining to the audience what it is that I, that I use to to inspire my, myself, and also I, I think about my fans, my core group of people, and I think about, okay, what is it they're going to need on a bad day? What's going to make them, inspire them to be awesome and to be fabulous? What I make music like with that in mind, so I think the more that we get out into the, you know, and do, start doing these club dates, these tours, these, you know, the tours and things like that, I'm going to really get to meet, put a face to all these, like, like not just letters and not just Instagram posts and likes and loves and 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 messages, but I'm actually going to see them face to face, and it's going to really it's going to impact me a lot. I already know it's going to really move me and, and give me a lot of strength to continue to be an advocate for for it for the cause. Well, you betcha. That and that's what that's the first thing I thought of when I looked at you because I'm like, oh my God, does he realize the the sort of precedence that he's setting by? walking on stage because there's so much history to the person that stands there besides just being a musician per se, or just being a singer or whatever have you. Um, so this is a very vital question I thought to ask. Um, if anybody is listening out there um, and you were to give them any bit of advice in terms of they are at home and they're shrouding their sexuality or they're hiding parts of themselves, how do they not let that destroy their dreams? Well, here's the thing. I, I meet, I meet so many people in the industry in particular, um, you know, actors who I know, people who I've met who, oh, I would never be out of the closet like you are. Um, I, I give props to you for that, but I would never do that. And I've actually, I feel like I've inspired a lot of some of my, the people close to me to actually come out of the closet and start sharing on their social media, you know, their, their boyfriends and things like that because I talk to them. You know, a couple of the actors, they said, oh, well, I can't because my agency told me. I'm like, well, screw it. You know, then get another agent or do it anyway. You right. know what I mean? Because who you are is, you know, this is a big part of, this is a big part of you. I'm, I am, with no apologies, who you love and who you choose to love, it's a big part of who you are. You know, that's why we write music. Right. We write music because of love. And if you happen to love another man, 
why is it that why is it that you have to hide that in in, in your house in the closet? You know, whereas other straight couples can walk openly and talk openly on Wendy Williams or any of these shows about, you know, their relationships. Why can't gay people be the same? And I ended up, I ended up like inspiring a lot of these actors to, you know, to come nice. out and to be open about it. And that, right. that, that is, is amazing. I want to empower, you know, people to do that because there's so many kids out there if they realize like a, a you know, a big actor is gay or a big basketball player, a big football player, a lot of them are, and they're hiding it. But the more they come out, the more, the, I, I feel, the less children are going to kill themselves for being gay or being thrown out of the house for being gay, you know, because of uh, religious purposes or whatever. There are many reasons why, but right. they, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, they're yes. kicking them out of the house, you know what I mean, being rejected. Yes. And the more yes. and the more big big celebrities that come out and say, "Look, this is, you know, or football players, athletes, things like that." You don't you don't have to let that like be um, a deterrent to your dreams. It can actually help you, and it's Correct. actually helped me a lot. It's helped me, and I knew it would be this way. Growing up, I would tell my mom and dad, "I'd be like, don't worry about it." You know, me being this way and me being who I am. I'm going to, I'm going to say fabulous. <laughs> I like that. I, I'll concur. <laughs> me being who I am is going to be a really good thing one day. It's going to be a big asset. We're not going to have to hide it and we're not going to have to, we're going to be able to celebrate it. And and here we are now and I'm writing music about it. And I'm doing amazing interviews with people like you and, and getting in magazines talking about my story and it's just come full circle and, it's a beautiful thing. You betcha, one hundred percent. And and uh, you know, you are just. I find you very inspirational. Actually, I knew that when I was before I started this, and and when I researched you, it just kind of opened up threefold a little bit. Um, and I'm excited. Now we're going to talk about your solo selection, um, the Blue Album, of course, which is your new solo effort. Um, and to any Yay. average person or who happens to eyeball you, they can see that those lovely locks of yours are also blue. So it stands to reason we got to talk about that. Talk about what the color blue represents to both you personally and then professionally in terms of why the choice for the blue album. Well, when I turned my hair blue, uh, a lot of things happened in my life. A lot of changes occurred. I um, was in a relationship with somebody who I deeply loved. I got engaged um, for the first time in my life, and I took that, I took that very seriously, and I, and I was very excited at the time. And then um, it didn't work out. It was very, it was a tumultuous relationship, and it didn't work out uh, for many, for many reasons. I'm not going to get into, but uh, sure. I had to go through that breakup. You know what I mean? It was a very hard breakup right. for me to go through. And at the time, I, what I did instead of wallowing in, in sorrow or feeling sorry for for X Y Z and getting upset, I decided to turn to music and I decided to turn to what I love the most, which is music and, and performing. And once I started doing that, I started writing the the music for my record. I ended up meeting another person in my life and, and falling in love again, you know, and this time I've been with this person for two and for two and a half years. And I really love this person. You know, when you break up with somebody, it's kind of like, Oh my God, it's over. You get this feeling like, ah, it's over and I'm never going to find new love again. But that's really 
what mm-hmm. I call these are the blue years of my life, and and the blue years have been a big, it's been a big uh, circle, cyclical phenomena, and you know it's really about life after after loss. So you lose something, but something else is going to mm-hmm. come in to fill the void. Once you say goodbye to something, because really it was my choice to break it up. I said goodbye to the situation. I couldn't. I had to let go of the negativity, right? Sure. Um, sure. So when you say goodbye and you finally say no, no more abuse, no more, and you let it go, and you push it aside, and you you allow yourself to open up to new energy and to new uh, experiences, and people start coming into your life more and more. So right. that's what the Blue Album is all about. It's kind of like this, you know, cyclical energy. When you when you say no to something, something else will come in to fill the void. Right. I like that idea. When you lose something, and I like the blue. Yeah. And the blue, the color blue is a beautiful color. I mean, it stands for oh so God, many yeah. things. It, there's so many things that, that blue represents. Blue represents the heavens. It represents the, the sky, clear uh, clarity, the ocean, which is super calming, uh, super mm-hmm. healing energy. And and it also can stand for, you know, feeling blue and feeling depressed. And I went through all of these emotions in, in this period that I've been in. I've gone through all of those emotions. So the record kind of has a light blue side to it in the very beginning, which is the light and, and shining the light. I actually call it rebel the darkness, shine your light. That's like one of my big mottos mm-hmm. and my big things that I, that I talk about on the record. And then at the end, uh, there's more of a dark blue side to the record. Oh. And then we, it ends up coming full cycle at the very end. A couple of the last tracks talk about, you know, getting into the next cycle of the light blue side of life. So it's really cool. I mean, um, how I uh, was able to You're kind, kind of, of a take chameleon. my experience. I am. I'm a super chameleon. I. <laughs> it's kind of scary how, how easily. It's kind of scary how easily I can adapt to a new situation, even something that really hurts me. It's like it hurts me for a while, like bad, but then I go, okay, okay, I'm I'm over it. Let's move, let's do this now. And I think I I shock a lot of people because yeah, I don't know. I think I shock a lot of people because I don't. Because I'm able to adapt so easily to to new situations, you know what I mean? Um, oh no, I know exactly what you're talking about, and you do it with such zeal. It's not like you know you sit there and deliberate, and then you wonder, and then you sit in it and, and or wallow, I should say, as some people would. You kind of just dust yourself back off, get off the ground, and say, "Hey, here I am." Um, and I also see that you elected to use um, fabulous Hector uh, Fonseca. Am I saying that right? Yeah. I wasn't sure if I was going to get that right. Hector Fonseca, who, of course, obviously collaborated with you. One of the, the song that we're going to be playing today in a little bit is called Star, which is a remix, of course, that he did with you. So tell us a little bit, just elaborate on that experience of working with Hector. Um, what was that like, and, and, and how did that come about? Well, Hector came about with uh, uh, an introduction. Um, my my uh, A&R rep, who's repping this CD, his name is Leo Madrid, and he introduced me to his friend, uh, Hector Fonseca. We had a meeting, and he told me that he loved Star, and he loved the, what I was doing, my whole image, everything, and he wanted to 
create a remix package for Star and for Savior as well. Um, yes. To be released to be released on his record label Audio Foreplay, and I was like so excited. I mean, Hector Fonseca has worked with Sia, Madonna, and Beyonce, so he's got major creds to his name. He's world renowned, and he's mm-hmm. you know we just hit it off. So. I'm really. I'm also excited awesome. to work with him in the future. Yeah, I feel like this is going to be like a good oh, team. And he made a really good. He made a really good track. It's nice. It's a really good track. Oh, he and, did. Oh, it, it is. Yeah. I like the combination of the way the mix is done, along with your contribution and what you bring to it. I'm like, it's absolutely, absolutely fabulous. I also wanted to mention to people that are listening in. Um, Savior was one that you mentioned. Another couple of your songs, which I like, Rebel the Darkness and On My Own. I've noticed the connotation or, or I should say the, the meaning or message behind a lot of these different songs I'm finding from you is just talking about those positive messages and taking care of yourself and being a survivor. Is, is that your intent to continue on with those sorts of um, messages or methodologies or models, let's say? Yes, absolutely. I, I set out when I made this record, I wanted to make a positive record this time around. I felt like my first record was more it was a, a little bit more on the angst side. I wanted this record to be a more positive experience and, and something that my fans could listen to at night and fall asleep to and, and feel comforted by. That was a real important sure. thing for me to think about while I was writing it. I wanted to bring some sort of uh, healing light into the listener who's, you know, listening to it. Yes, and you do very well so on I that, actually, I and I have that. to note that, too. Thank you. And I thank you for seeing, for seeing that. Oh, no, definitely. You know, what I noticed in your videos, because I watched um, two out of the three of them, I had gotten to Geisha Dance and to Savior, and I was watching both of them, and I thought to myself, and these are just my thoughts, and folks, when you're listening into this, maybe you can take some time, because of course it's on YouTube, he's got these videos up, um, Geisha Dance in particular. You know, you go from one moment where you could be up and dancing to his type of music, where he's got this this voice that kind of transcends the music. I don't know if you understand that, meaning that he kind of rises above the sound that's there, so to speak. Um, so he goes from geisha dancer kind of dancing around, and you see this woman kind of beating ass in this video, and I'm, like, laughing about this because this geisha girl is really powerful stuff. And then you turn around and, and switch over to the Savior video, and I'm thinking to myself, this boy is just cute. He's cute, he can sing, and he can be Aww. versatile. And those are the three things I noticed that. And honestly, it's true, folks. Listen to his video or take a take a watch, I should say, at his videos and tell me if you don't find the same thing to be true. Because it is true. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a woman who will blow smoke up your backside. I mean, clearly, there's tons and tons of musicians out there. But you you have a sweetness and an innocence about you that I would gather within an hour's time you could be ravishing up a stage and being rebellious and being your you and, and setting your own goals and your own self on a stage, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So I like that yeah. versatility that you have going on. Now, before I play Thank your you. song, I want to throw this. You're quite welcome. I want to throw this question out to you, and then we'll play, of course, the song so everybody can hear Star. Um, you have your fans, which I know you refer to as rebels. And one of the things that I just dig, and I love this, I want to know where this concept came from, is they keep submitting the fan art. And, and to those of you that haven't seen the Ricky Rebel Rocks page, on there, he posts up these different pictures of um, art that his fans have done. And I'm like, it's just, I'm assuming, of course, um, have any of these guys or gals, I should say, been able to reveal what I call Ricky the real man? Because a lot of times art will imitate life. You know, for instance, people will draw you, but they don't capture you. Has anybody had a picture that really just captured you out of all your fans, or I should say rebels? Yes. Um, there was one 
one photograph that I actually framed. And uh, one of my oh. fans, she, her name's Christina, she did a photograph of me and my boyfriend, Patrick. And uh, it's basically a cartoon of, of me with blue hair and just holding on to my boyfriend, like, around his neck and, like, all these hearts. And and I just, and I'm wearing regular clothes, you know, just a regular T-shirt and whatever. And I felt like that photograph really captured, you know, the love that I, that I feel for yeah. him and, yeah, it captured me. So. Oh, yeah. neat. I framed Speaking it. of which, mm-hmm. let's... That is really cool. I don't want to forget to ask mm-hmm. this question because this will break hearts all over the universe because you keep referring to your significant others. So uh, you've been in a relationship, and this is a serious relationship, so I'm guessing that nobody can hit on you when they meet you then. Just saying. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean I can't flirt. <laughs> And my my boyfriend actually encourages wow. me to flirt with people. He he encourages me. He's a he's a psychologist, so he's all about it. He wants me to be neat. He knows uh, that I've always been a sort of flirtatious, you know, person. And he's like, I don't want you to stop being you because, you know, you're with me. And so I've kind of taken that to heart. I'm like, okay, so I can still be myself, right? Of course. Yes, of course you can. You're supposed to be you. That's the whole point of it. Yes. Okay, we're glad we cleared that up. So I guess apparently you can't meet him, you can't flirt him. I wouldn't touch him too much if his boyfriend's there, but that's a whole other story. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple minutes break here because we're going to play the remix, Hector's remix, and, of course, your vocal uh, contribution, and this is called Star. So hold on the line for me. We'll play your song, and then we'll finish up here. Just one second, Ricky.
If you believe it, you. you can achieve it. That's the one line I absolutely love. So I have one more question for you, and then um, we're going to go through a quick couple business things. And, oh, my God, wasn't this cool? We went from 45 minutes to almost an hour and a half. See how easy that is on the show? I know. Oh, I, I think we've done it. good. That's okay. You know what? This happens all the time. And I'm like, I always tell people, they're like, oh, 45 minutes. So I'm like, 
oh, sure, we'll just leave it at that. And then I just start phrasing all these questions, and then I make you talk. I suck you into my web. Thank you. It's, it's so talk questions. to me a little bit. I know, right? They're, like, thought provocative, and this isn't like your humdrum yeah. interview. You know how you watch ET, and you're like, how'd you get involved in that project? <laughs> hey, honey, do your research, okay, because anybody can say, how'd you get involved in that project? I, you know, no. I'm a writer. That's the thing. You know, That's they give thing. me a subject. Yeah. You gave, yep. You gave you me a lot of work for yeah. It's called my job, dear, and I'm supposedly good at it, so we'll we'll see. But talk to me a little bit about this because I'm so jealous about this because I want this. Ricky Revel is also U.S. Weekly fashion correspondent. Uh, how do we get that? Yeah. And more importantly, how do I get that job? Thank you very much. I'm so jealous. How'd you get that? What happened? Uh, well, uh, you know, I have a really good PR person who has the, has the connection had the connection and thought it'd be a great idea to to um, run the idea by her, the editor at Us Weekly, the one who does that column, the Fashion Police column in the back, and they they gave me a trial run, and I ended up submitting my, you know, comments about all the celebrities, and, and they liked it, and they printed it. So now it's just become like a, a bi-weekly thing where, you know, I get to talk about what, what, what the, you know, certain celebs are wearing, and it's, it's fun. It's really fun to kind of, Oh, I imagine you know, my that it first, is. I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I usually go with my first instinct on what it is that I see. If I see something that just screams, in, like the last thing that Kris Jenner wore to to an event, she looked like a black widow. So I start making jokes about her being a black widow and <laughs> and creating. <laughs> that's that's her web. She, she That's her web she uses to, to get young men trapped in. Something like that. You know, so I just kind of ah. creatively... Yeah, it helps me. It, it's kind of like writing a song, you know. It's very similar right. process. I get being it. inspired by an no, image, I totally you get inspired that. by the image, and then you just write it down, and, and uh, it's so fun. And I hopefully will, you know, want to do uh, def- definitely. I, I did this one feature of this one girl named Joy Villa. Uh, she was on the grad on the Grammys wearing this outrageous like orange dress that was fabulous. She ended up calling me and giving me a private tour of her uh, closet and the actual dress itself. And it was so amazing. We became besties. And I have the column and with amazing photographs of her. And uh, so it's, I, I kind of want that to be a new thing, possibly me going into people, different people's, uh, different celebs' wardrobes and giving interviews about their certain outfits and things like that. Because fashion is a big part of me and what I do. Gotcha. Of course. Amazing. So here's the ultimate question. This yes. is a big one because, you know, this weekend is like, well, every year I just, you know, self, I injure myself by saying, okay, I'm going to watch the Oscars because every year I keep thinking I'm going to win one and I still haven't yet. But nonetheless, so here's my question to you. Is it my imagination? Because of course the award season is kind of coming up to the Oscars. Is it me or do you find, even if you watch them per se, fashion wise, have you ever looked at some of these women and just shook your head and thought, girl, what were you thinking this morning? You got millions of dollars and someone to style you, and you look mm. like this. You know what I'm saying? Mm, every day. <laughs> <laughs> every so day. it's not me. I'm not crazy. <laughs> no, I'm a very sharp. I'm a very sharp eye, a very keen. My mom even tells me, she's like, wow, you just know how to just put it direct. I'm very direct when, and I'm very sharp with my uh, observations. We'll call it not judgments, but mm-hmm. observations. And um, okay. 
you know, and a lot of people would, you know, I, I can't wait to be on the other side, the flip side of Us Weekly, where I'm actually one of the people, you know, being commented on, which is coming to a theater near you, I'm sure. Because <laughs> a lot of the stuff that I'm going to wear is going to definitely provoke a lot of people. Ah. It already does. Yeah, a lot of the things I wear. Like, but I, for some reason, get away with it. because I think it's because, you know, I am a musician and a uh, recording artist. And I can get away with a lot more. But uh, I think definitely with clothes, it's like it's not what you're wearing, it's how you're wearing it. That's the most important thing about fashion. Correct. And I think and I think a lot of pe- a lot of celebrities like they try to be like they're trying to be something they're not, or trying to be rock and roll or cool or or whatever it is they're trying to go for. It's not believable because it's not uh, they're not the clothes are wearing them as opposed to the person you have to wear the clothes. That's why Gaga has been able to get away with so much because of this, this you know, uh, abandon that she has towards fashion. I just call it abandon, uh, abandon of pure joy for fashion and, and to express herself. That's why a lot of the things she wears, we go, okay, well, it's Gaga. You know what I mean? But if we see somebody else wearing certain things like that, they can't really get away with it because of that process that I was just explaining. Sure. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Definitely. So good. I'm, I'm glad I'm not crazy here. So the last question I have for you before I tell everybody all this stuff that I need to tell them. Um, apparently, I was told by Lee that you have an announcement or two to make yourself. Is that correct? Or did I? Or did we make new announcements? Because she said, oh, he's got these big announcements he wants to make. So I'm giving you the floor here, Ricky Rabble. Do you have any big announcements for us? Wow. I, <gasps> now you put me on the spot. <laughs> Sorry. That's you know, my job. Well, no. I mean, I think I think the big announcement is basically is that my uh, the whole Star Remix package is coming out on audio foreplay in March, and what it's going to be is nice. it's going to be a huge yeah it's going to be a, a bunch of different remixers like world renowned DJs doing uh, a remix of Star, and we've got plans to be doing spot dates with a lot of these people uh, because they a lot of these DJs like Hexbon Segas worldwide, so. I'm planning, we're planning on doing some tag-along dates where I come and perform at some of their sets, like at matinee, et cetera, some of these big EDM um, shows. And also, I am working on, um, right now at the moment, working on a new show that's happening at Bar Sinister. That's going to be, uh, it's a club in Hollywood. Yep. And that's happening February, February 28th. 20, 28th, yes. Um, yes. And then we're going to be, doing uh, what I call the Vegas show. It's like a Ve- the Vegas showcase, our first time doing the Vegas set because I've been in talks with certain producers to do a Vegas show as well. So that's oh, all wow. in the works as well. Yeah. So awesome, I've been working awesome. on Yay. creating the Rebel Vegas show. The Rebel Vegas show. Awesome. Yeah. Now, I don't want to forget to mention this. You, um, of course, have the website, which I'm going to give all this social media information right now. But I want to let everybody know, because I've checked on the website, of course, you have things such as your T-shirts, your CDs, and bracelets for sale on there, so you all want to check that out. I want to reiterate one more time what you said, which is February 28th, Bar Sinister, but you can look for information on that on the Facebook page. Um, you actually have a Facebook page, which is called Ribby. If I can talk today, Ricky Rebel Rocks. Say that when you're drunk five times. Okay, but I'm not drunk. <laughs> um, Facebook, Ricky Rebel Rocks. Um, your Twitter handle, same thing, at Ricky Rebel Rocks. Um, you have an Instagram mm-hmm. account. You have a YouTube channel, which is Ricky Rebel TV, www.rickyrebelrocks.com. 
Uh, your information is also found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Reverb Nation, and you also have an IMDb profile. Have I missed any place to find you on social media? No, no, that's it. My my Instagram wow. is at Ricky Re- My Instagram is at Ricky Rebel. That's the only one that's a little different. Okay. That's what I saw. I kind of figured that, but I just wanted to double-check on that. Now, there's only two more things that we have to do, and then I'll officially let you off the hook because I I want to make sure my kid's not dead. Just kidding. He came in here. He's fine and living. Um, But I wanted to make sure to cover two more bases. First of all, I would be honored because I don't think you know this, um, but um, I am going to be filming two or three films this year. One's a silent film, one's a documentary, and one is a comedic short film. I would be privileged if you would do one of two things, and this is up to you to decide. You can either contribute music or you can contribute yourself, because I know you said you wanted to act. Um, And so if you'd like to do that, you can certainly do that, um, because I'm going into film now on top of everything else that I do. I've done writing and I've done radio, and now I'm going to be doing the film side of things. So I'd be honored if you consider um, being a part of one of my projects at some point in time. I would think that's wonderful, if you would. I would. I would love that. Oh my God! I'm oh. right now. My my mouth is like open. I'm like, really? He's like this thinking, awesome. what? Now, um, you know, we can talk about this more at length when I get to California because I I do travel. Um, I'm going to New York very quickly this weekend for a very short um very short stint. Um, I I can't tell you exactly how long it's going to take to get to the second film, which would be the one you'd be in. I have um. My son, who's at home right now, um, so I have a son that's a seizure patient, and I have another son that's having issues, so a lot of it depends on, on mom first before mogul. So I'll get to you eventually, but I just want to throw it out in the public realm and, and make your jaw drop um, and make you think about it for a while. Um, so I thought I'd throw that out to you. And the last thing that we do on my show is I hope you're sitting yeah. down because this is the part where I get to tell you what I think of you. And then I'll let you off oh my God. because I have to go get my other kid. <laughs> so have a seat. So these are my impressions. And the reason that I do this as a radio show host isn't so much that you alone will hear what I think of you, but it's the listening audience that gets a sense of me after, after having researched you, talked to your publicist, and listened to your music and, and saw your product. So in a nutshell, this will be the next two minutes. And whatever you do, don't cry because everybody cries when I, when I do this. So I'm like, don't cry. So these are my impressions of Ricky Rebel. Um, I have to tell you that the first thing I thought of when I looked at him was, oh, my goodness, this is just a young boy with blue hair, and he's trying to be rebellious for some strange, unknown, funky reason. First impression right off the bat. I went ahead and I researched him, and one of the first things that I found (laughs) out was is that it is so impressive to me that he has such an iconic of sorts, for lack of a better term, really, because that is the best term to use. You've built yourself a life where you're involved in every artistic platform that you can find. You've put yourself in a television screen. You've put yourself in a film. You've put yourself um, in, in vocal areas. You have toured with some of the finest people that we have recognized as being in fine music. What the coolest part about that is, is I am, as I told you to begin with, I am all about the real and the realistic. You've not lost sight of who you are from the first time you stepped into the stage till the time that you are now stepping on a stage and saying, hey, this is me, this is my sexuality, this is who I am, and deal with it. I'm still going to succeed. I love the fact that you're so bold and courageous. I love the fact Mm -hmm. that you identify yourself not just because you have blue hair, but because of who you are. And a lot of that comes from the heart and the soul of whether it's a musician or an artist. I truly believe that you resonate my two rules in life, and I only have two rules. You're all about the presence factor, not so much what people can hand you in a paycheck, but what they can hand you in life, life lessons, life love, everything that they can contribute to you. I think you're Mm -hmm. fabulous because of the fact that 
you're not above yourself yet. You're a budding talent that isn't above and beyond being able to stand and talk to somebody, inspire someone, or motivate somebody. I like the look. I like the style. I like the fact that you're okay with saying, I'm going to go this way or that way, and if you like it, great. And if you don't, well, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to move along. I like that no-nonsense attitude. And I like the fact that you are very intelligent and you speak well and you present yourself well. And the fact that you have so much to offer a listening audience, whether it's on a screen or off a screen, to me, I found very profound, and I find you to be very professional. This hour and a half has been a delight, and know this, that my door is open mm-hmm. to you as a friend, and my door is open to you uh, from the professional side of things. And if you don't come back to my show at some point, I'll be pissed off. And if I come to L.A. and I don't <laughs> see you, I'll be even more pissed. Those are my impressions of Ricky Ravel. That's it. I love it. Oh, you're so wonderful. <laughs> I love you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you so much. much. Oh, my definitely. Mom this has been be an absolute excursion. Thank you, and I and I want you, you to to send your love to my to your son uh, to your son as well. I I hope Thank that you. he feels better. And uh, I do too. I, my, make sure you you give him lots of water and lots of vitamin C and tons of rest. Oh, okay, mom. Thank you so much because uh-huh. I've been doing this twenty years now, but I appreciate <laughs> that. I'm a little older than you are, darling. I but know, no, I hope I that I've made your mama happy. I hope that I've made your boyfriend happy. I hope Lee, God, Lee from Chrome PR. You need to listen to this interview. I hope you. I've made you know you are my first interview with her with Chrome PR. This is my first interview yeah. with Chrome. So hopefully it'll be one of many. I do hope. We absolutely. Hope. Let's see. Absolutely. Let's see how and I am go. so excited. All right. Are you? Well, you know what you need to do? You and I. When you hang up this phone, make sure you talk to Lee about getting my contact information, email, Facebook, et cetera. Then, you know, reach out to me personally and get a hold of me, and then I'll talk to you at greater length about what I'm looking for musically and in terms of acting. And then we'll get something coordinated. Then when I come to L.A., because you're in L.A., right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. When I come to L.A., then I can visit with you because there's about 50 people that want to visit with me, so I need to get there, and I will before I die. Oh, no, wait, in the next month or two. I'm going to try to get there in the next month or two. But get all the leads, get my information, and then we'll coordinate. Now you need to get the hell off my studio because i got to get my kid, (laughs) and I mean that in a loving way. But I've had a great time. (laughs) All right, sweetheart, you have a great day. Thank you so much. Stay in touch, honey. Thank you, dear. I will. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, my goodness, folks, that 45-minute interview ended up being one hour and 35 minutes. But how pleased was I, and wasn't he absolutely fabulous? Um, First and foremost, I want to say thank you so much, both to Ricky Rebel, again, to Lee from Chrome PR. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your patience and your understanding and working with me to get this interview completed. want to remind everybody one more time, February 28th will be Ricky's next performance, and that's at Bar Sinister. Um, Also check the website out for all the different merchandise, bracelets, T-shirts, and CDs. That's www.rickyrebelrocks.com. His music can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Reverb Nation, YouTube on his channel, which is Ricky Rebel TV. Um, He has a Facebook page, which is Ricky Rebel Rocks. Twitter handle is at Ricky Rebel Rocks. And by the way, that's Rocks, R-O-C-K-S, not R-O-X. And he also has a profile on IMDb. Again, true pleasure, Ricky Rebel, to be working with you today. Excellent music there. Uh, Lastly, I want to remind everybody, since Chat Corner tomorrow, we have scheduled 3 o'clock Central Standard Time, John DiGamore. Not only is a personal friend of mine, but can't wait to talk about this story. Um, And, of course, this is launching off my month of Mafia authors. And, of course, the boss always sits in the back is the name of his information. I'll be posting that later on to my page and as well as my show page. Thanks for listening, everybody. Now I'm off to take care of my sick son for the day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.